Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 262, and we're talking about 11 ways to travel more and travel well in 2013. Because, well, who wouldn't want to travel more or travel well? We really should have thought of 13 ways to travel more and travel well in 2013, but we're not that organised. <laughs> Smooth. And it's been a uh, bit of a long week to date. We, well, I anyway, came down with the flu that's been uh, going around and spent most of last week in bed. So that was not the most exciting of times. And I got to go to the dentist. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So we've had a great week. Oh, and it's been raining. It's pretty much been pelting down all week. So it's been been magical and wonderful. (laughs) It's crazy to think we've got just two and a half weeks left here in Jerez before we take off again. Yeah, we were just going. We just went for a short walk around the city after lunch, and I told Craig that we had two and a half more weeks. And almost had a stress attack. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that bad, but it came as came as a bit of a shock. You had to take deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> Well, today's podcast is sponsored by Intrepid Travel, and we are excited to welcome them as sponsors onto the Indie Travel podcast for the next uh, couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about tours quite a lot recently. There was a a post on the website about whether or not you should take a tour. And I think if you're going to take a tour, then Intrepid is a very good option. They have small group sustainable travel style of tours, and they've been operating since 1989. We did a tour with them a couple of years ago, and we were really impressed with how, what a good kind of crossover it was between independent travel and a tour. Because we did the, the basics range to kind of tour, which was more or less, you had a guide and uh, they organised all the accommodation and transport, but apart from that, you are more or less on your own. Yeah, so it's kind of like travelling with a friend who would organise all of the practical side of things for you. It was like, stay here, get on this bus, here we go, hey, go and see that. Yep. And that made it really handy. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. And we didn't know this, but there are over a 1,000 trips in 100 countries, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I think that pretty much covers anywhere you'd want to go. <laughs> it's quite a lot. Well, it covers uh, every continent, including Antarctica. So that that's quite, quite a lot of the world. Mm-hmm. And I guess that the, well, where to go and that uh, scope of there's a whole world and there's a <laughs> to go to is going to be one of our first points for this episode. Yeah, that's right. So point number one is see your scope. Decide where you're going to go on your trip. If you want to travel this year, you need to first of all decide where do you want to go. So, um, and how long do you want to travel for and who do you want to travel with? But don't be afraid to go alone. Of course not. And I'm just laughing to myself thinking about how poorly we do when it comes to setting a scope. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we talk to a lot of travellers, obviously, and whenever we hear about people's trips, we're like, oh, I want to go and do that. Uh, <laughs> like the other day I was looking at a Vietnam video and, you know, talking about it with people on Facebook, and I was kind of like, oh, I want to go back to Vietnam. <laughs> but, you know, we've got so many plans around the world that, if we can squeeze in a month in Asia in the next 12 months, that would be pretty good going. Yeah. And it's just mad trying to get things compressed down into uh, a nice little convenient list or, or area to head to. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's going to depend on, on who you are, what kind of life you live at the moment, and, and how you travel. If you've got an office job back home and you can only travel for two weeks, your scope is going to be quite different to someone who's setting off on a, a one-year-around-the-world adventure. But uh, you need to decide what you're going to do. 
next of all, after you've decided where to go, you need to be able to fund it somehow. So point two would be to uh, to budget and save. Now, running the numbers is the boring bit of travel. It's the bit that drives me up the wall, certainly looking at uh, cost of flights, cost of transport, cost of accommodation, then comparing that with package deals and tours and comparing that with last minute deals and figuring out in, in the end of all of that, how much money I need to do the things that I want to be able to do. Yeah, so, so don't do that. I, don't I, go into I, too much detail I, at this I, point. I often just ignore it. Craig go, doesn't right, do it at all. Let's go. It, he makes <laughs> me do it. So, yeah, I wouldn't do any of that at this point. Don't go into too much detail because if you don't like numbers, then numbers might put you off, and you really don't want to be put off traveling because traveling is awesome. So all you really need to do is get an idea of how much flights will cost and how much accommodation will cost. From there, you can work out a rough budget of how much you need to save. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights and IndieTravelPodcast.com slash hostels and uh, enter in the, the details, so the flight details and the place that you're going to visit to get an idea of how much it costs to, to fly and to stay where you want to stay. Yeah, from there you can um, kind of take those prices and add 50% on uh, to cover food and, uh, you know, going yeah. out expenses, bits and pieces. I think uh, flights, flights are a given, and then mm-hmm. from the accommodation cost, double it or triple it, depending on your, if you're going to be traveling around a lot in your destination, then you triple it, and if you're not, just double it, and that's... Yeah, it's a good rule of thumb budget, eh, because mm. if you're staying somewhere where accommodation... Uh, kind of looks at 15 bucks a night then you're probably not going to be spending a hundred dollars a night on food yeah um but if you're staying somewhere where accommodations up at a hundred dollars a night then the food prices are probably going to be in line with that yeah so definitely don't spend a lot of time looking into costs just get a very basic idea um you might want to visit a travel agent and, and see what they have in terms of package holidays but just really don't spend more than an hour looking into it just to get an idea of how much you might be expected to pay. Then start saving. Uh, cut back on eating and drinking out, sell some stuff, maybe get a part-time job, another part-time job. Just, you know, we've, we've said a lot about saving and preparing for, uh, for a trip. There's a lot out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go into it too much right now. All right, point number three is to make it happen. A lot of people get discouraged when they find that their destination is too expensive or they they think, oh, I don't actually have time or whatever. Don't let that happen to you. Make it happen. Uh, Maybe you need to look for somewhere else to visit. Maybe you need to go on a holiday closer to home. But make it happen. Put it in your diary and do it. Travel is totally worth it. Yeah, we've had times when it's been tight getting from A to B or staying in C. But uh, every time we've we've pushed ourselves and gone, come on, we can we can do it, we can make it work. It has worked. So I don't know if we just have good luck. Sometimes we've had bad luck as well, and things haven't worked out. But you know, it's it's part of life, and yeah, just get out there and and go do it. And part of going out there and doing it is point number four, do the paperwork. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, you might be discouraged by this as well. Don't let it get you down. Sometimes it sucks. But, yes, there is paperwork to be to be done. You might need to apply for a visa. And you should also look into vaccinations well in advance. Uh, some need to be administered t- up to two months before your trip. Mm. So look into that as soon as you can. And also compare and purchase travel insurance. Do the comparison early. You don't need to purchase it straight away, but... Some people like to buy it when they book their tickets because then they're covered for if the if the flights don't happen as well. 
Yeah, um, things like getting a passport, going mm-hmm. to the doctor and getting your visas should be done as early as possible. Uh, but in a lot of countries, I know especially in the States, it's not possible to do discounts on insurance. There just has to be a set price. Hmm. So quite often the price of insurance is going to stay the same. So you can get quotes early. And, I mean, there's always a chance they're going to change their policies and change their premiums, but it's unlikely you're going to see a a sale on insurance or anything like that. So unlike unlike flights where you want to keep an eye on the fluctuating prices, uh, insurance, you can get the price, and if the money's in the bank, then just go ahead and buy it. Um, Of course, there's travel insurance advice at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash insurance. Right, our next point is to over-prepare but be spontaneous. So as your departure date gets closer, start to immerse yourself in your destination. Think about what you're going to do when you get there. Look into accommodation options. We recommend you should definitely book accommodation for the first night at least, even if you do plan to to move around and be be spontaneous. Also very important, work out how to get from uh, the airport or station to your accommodation. That's really important. We like to use toandfromtheairport.com. And uh, then once you arrive, just go with the flow. Have all the information that you've researched, but you don't need to stick to a strict schedule. Yeah. Or if you do like to stick to a strict schedule, do so, but budget in <laughs> a day off. <laughs> I think a lot of places in the world, you can just show up and there will be a free room in a hotel or hostel. There will be you know, availability at special events or tourist destinations. But there are some times and some places where you need to be a little bit more prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like backpacking around Europe during the summer months. Mm-hmm. Um, places get busy. I know like the big capitals like London, Paris, Berlin, Prague, um, Barcelona, these places are always booked out. The places that you want to stay that have good quality accommodation for a good price they're going to be booked. <laughs> you can't just rock up to, you know, the top-ranked hostels in the city and expect to get a bed. Normally, you'll get pushed back. So there are times when you do need to plan a bit ahead, and I'm thinking that kind of June, July, August time in Europe. But quite often, you know, there's a whole industry designed to look after you while you're traveling. So you can quite often show up in a place that you've never been to before and quite easily find somewhere to stay. That's right. All right, well, our next point is to balance cost and value. You're going to be doing research into flights and accommodation and activities, tours, etc. And, you know, you want to get the best deal you can. So start looking in advance. But uh, also you need to be open. Don't just choose something that's easy and familiar. For example, we are big on independent travel, but we've recently started doing more tours. And sometimes a tour might be a great option. It might give you the chance to do something that you wouldn't have been able to do independently or be a lot easier to do it with a tour. Um, and if you're a gung-ho tour person, maybe going independently is the much better option because tours can sometimes be a rip-off. <laughs> For example, when we were in Krakow and we wanted to visit um, Auschwitz, well, there were lots of tours being advertised all over the place. But basically it was just transport from your hotel to, to the complex. And I think it cost the equivalent of 20 euros whereas to catch a bus there from the local bus station costs 50 cents. So, you know, do your research and be open for different opportunities. 
Yeah, sometimes the cheapest flight is going to be problematic because mm-hmm. you might have two or three changes where for an extra hundred bucks you could fly direct. And, you know, if it's going to be 10% of the total value against an extra four hours and extra connections to make and things like that, sometimes it's better just to pay the money and save yourself the stress Mm -hmm. of, especially, I find flights really stressful because you've got security and customs and they go without you if they feel like it. (laughs) They're they're late and delayed and pushed. I'm like, if I can cut out as many flights as possible, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll pay to get rid of that pain whenever I can. Well, that's right. That's what we're doing for this trip. We're going to be flying to the Canaries, and then from the Canaries we're flying to Italy, even though we're next going to Austria. So we could have got directly to Austria by taking two flights. I think we would have had to go from the Canaries to Barcelona, Barcelona to Vienna or something like that. And I just thought, no, (laughs) I don't want to take two flights in a row. I don't want to take two flights in two days. Not a chance. So we're flying to to Italy, and from there we'll have to take a train, which will cost probably more than the, the plane. But maybe not, because once you take into account how much it costs to get to and from the airport and the cost of accommodation if you're staying overnight, it'll probably work out about the same. Yeah, so it's good to keep an eye on your budget, especially if you're trying to to travel for a longer period of time. Every couple of bucks you save, you know, could be another day on the road, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. (laughs) No questions asked. That's great. The longer you can stay traveling, the better. But sometimes it is worth paying the money and uh, buying the ticket and taking the ride. Yeah, and sometimes it seems like you're paying more, but you're not, because Mm. there are lots of extra costs that you just can't see. Talking about extra costs, um, next point is packing light. Um, We travel with just carry-on backpacks, um, you know, regulation size for most aircraft. Ryanair's a bit of a weird one because their bag size is skinny, even though it's the same volume as some others. Um, But we've managed to sneak through so far, (laughs) fingers crossed. Um, Be careful what you say, Grace. We've got two Ryanair flights coming up. (laughs) I know. Um, And so, yeah, but if you... Pack light, you've only got one bag, it's really much harder for you to lose it. Mm-hmm. It's much harder for it to get stolen um, because you've only got the one. You're not kind of keeping an eye on two or three different bags. And uh, your back will thank you. And so will your wallet because with a lot of budget airlines, you have to pay for, for luggage. And that can really add up. I think it was something like 30 euros to check in a bag, which was more mm. than the cost of the flight. It depends. The, the price varies depending on the airline and the season. But we've just decided that, no, we don't want to pay those costs. I mean, we can go shopping with 60 euros once we get there and buy all sorts of things. It'll be great. Let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Well, this is the next point is to stay healthy. And the easiest way to do that, I guess, is to eat as much street food as you can as (laughs) soon as you can and just get all of those uh, local bugs and... (laughs) Get them and look after them. (laughs) You're so funny. Eating healthily is very important. And if you want to keep traveling throughout 2013, you probably don't want to get sick. So while we recommend that you try everything and anything that you can, all the local delicacies like guinea pig in Peru and the street food all over Asia, uh, make sure to drink a lot of clean water and get your five plus fruit and vegetables a day. Um, It's quite easy to do that. Have a glass of juice, fresh juice, and a piece of fruit. 
and whenever you have dinner make sure to order a side of vegetables because it's surprising when you're eating out quite often the meals don't come with vegetables so you might have to order it as a side yeah it's crazy to think how much well how much extra pizza and Mm -hmm. pies and kind of pastry and carby food we eat while we're um staying in hostels as opposed to couch surfing for example for couch surfing we have access to a kitchen or eating meals with uh, our couch surfing friends or the whole family the meals are a lot more balanced but if we are eating out eating uh, from little local restaurants or street food vendors it tends to get very meat heavy and and very fat heavy and very potato heavy (laughs) yes Or, yeah, like you said, pizza, pasta, that kind of thing. So I think you need to make a conscious decision to eat more vegetables. When we remember, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it's a good idea to limit alcohol. Just stick to one or two glasses a day and, well, your liver will will, will thank you. But also, you won't have a hangover, so you'll be able to enjoy your trip even more. Yeah, there's nothing worse than early morning transport days with (laughs) a hangover. Absolutely not. Well, um, uh, a couple more points. Gosh, this is this is blasting through. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Well, the next one is to try some different styles of accommodation. Uh, we often get comfortable with the way that we travel and the way we do things. You book into your favorite hotel chain, or you look on a hostel booking site like indietravelpodcast.com slash hostels, and you choose the top-rated one that comes in at your price. Mm-hmm. Or you jump straight into couch surfing and Facebook, and you find friends or family or completely new people to stay with. Well, mix it up. Yep. It's mix much it better to choose a few different options. So we, we try to mix it up. We, we love couch surfing, obviously. You've heard us talk about that before. But hostels are also great. There are some really good luxury hostels out there at the moment if you're interested in uh, having your own room and all the luxuries of a hotel. But you'd also like to meet people or maybe have a, a kitchen so you can cook your own meals. Luxury hostels are a great, great option there. Uh, glamping, so glamorous camping is becoming more and more popular. We've got to try that. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, just bed and breakfast hotels. Um, In in England especially, there are some really, really cute boutique B&Bs that are Mm, worth a go. I really enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. Of course, apartment rentals, if you're going to be in a place for a few nights, um, I think they really come into their own if you're staying for for three or more nights. Mm -hmm. And especially Uh, if there's a group of you. Yeah, renting out an apartment is uh, sometimes a great option. We certainly enjoyed staying with Go With O on the recent Indurail trip in... uh, Vienna and Florence, some really nice places to be. Yeah, so I'd highly recommend look into other options and don't stay in a faceless hotel unless you have to. Mm, absolutely not. Well, something that's quite important, and actually one of our first topics for a podcast was how to wash your clothes on the road. Since you have packed light, you probably need to do some clothes washing on your trip. So there's a few things you can do to keep those clothes clean. I think Well, my preferred option is to make sure that you're somewhere where there's a washing machine every week and just wash your clothes once a week. Craig likes to wash his undies every night or every couple of days, washes his socks and hangs them over things. I don't really like to do that because I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we we just make sure we book book accommodation with laundry facilities at least once a week and and have a a half day at home. Couchsurfing is really good for that, and many, many hostels have that as well. With a hotel, you're likely to pay through the nose, so mm. don't plan to do any clothes washing in a hotel. 
Yeah, sometimes it's much cheaper and sometimes really interesting in terms of people watching mm-hmm. to look up a local laundrette and uh, go and spend a couple of hours out there uh, having a look at what the uh, what the locals who use the laundrette are like. It puts a nice uh, kind of human documentary spin on doing your washing. I went to a laundrette in San Marino with our couch surfing host, and we got into a big discussion with some other youths about whether we should put the duvet in the in the dryer or not, or what setting we should put in. It was absolutely hilarious. All in Italian, I could only understand about half of it, but they thought I spoke it because I went, ah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do that a lot, eh? But, uh, yeah, no one likes smelly travellers. So, uh, you know, you keep yourself clean, keep your clothes clean as well, even if you are rotating the same shirts or uh, trousers. Yeah, it can get a bit boring with your clothes. What I do to keep my clothes interesting is I have three or four scarves and uh, I just change them and that makes me feel like I've got different clothes on. <laughs> yeah, I realised the other day that the uh, the jacket that I own, I've actually owned since 2007. Oh my goodness. When we bought it to originally do the West Highland Way. It's a mountaineering jacket uh, by Mountain Hardware. And it's just lasted. It's been and brilliant. And lasted and lasted. Um, it is beginning to show some wear now. But um, yes. it, it's still... It looks as good now as it did six months after I bought it. So That's true. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Well, point number 11 about how you can travel more and travel well in 2013 is to be prepared for problems, but don't worry. Chances are you'll have a fantastic trip and nothing will go wrong. I mean, millions of people travel every year and nothing goes wrong. But obviously you need to use your common sense, keep your wits about you, don't flash your money about, and don't take sweets from strangers. <laughs> yes, especially Listen if you're your a mom. primary age school child Well, you know from school. <laughs> And also make sure you have insurance and know how it works And if you're all concerned about travel safety Buy the book Travel Safety from guides.indietravelpodcast.com And uh, you'll have all the information you could hope and dream for <laughs> Yes, and so much more <laughs> So much more Um Yeah, well, we do have a little bit of time left, so I was thinking we could talk a little bit about some of your favorite budgeting tips. Okay. If people are going to be traveling more this year, one of the easiest ways to extend the time on the road is by decreasing the amount of money you spend to get there. Well, that's true. Or while you're out. So what do you reckon? What's your number one money-saving tip? Well, I think people need to know that traveling isn't actually that expensive. If you travel for longer, you can save money because if you're traveling longer, then you don't need to pay for a more. Well, if you if you're renting back home, let your house go. Don't don't keep it on because if you're paying for two lots of accommodation, you're wasting money. So I think that's my number one tip is to is to travel longer and don't pay twice. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, a short term way around that is with a home swap. Mm. You know, you can arrange to swap your house with someone else in another country or another part of your own country and uh, take a vacation for a couple of weeks or longer if you want. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you're swapping houses instead yeah. of paying your mortgage or your rent back home in addition to paying for your accommodation at your destination. For sure. Once you are where you're going to go to, I think food is a very big expense. You don't need to eat out all the time. Sometimes eating out is the cheapest option. In many parts of Asia, it's a lot easier to eat out than to, than to buy food and take it home and cook it. But I think certainly in Europe, it's worth making sure that you have a kitchen and you can cook for yourself. 
buy breakfast food and eat breakfast at home, eat dinner at home. Uh, and if you want to eat out, eat out for lunch because there's often very good deals like menus alia or tagus menus uh, in, in restaurants around the cities. Yeah, quite often here in Europe anyway, we've eaten for 10 to 15 euros for six lunch. Euros. Well, yeah, <laughs> down that low. Six euros. Um, and had a two or three course meal with drinks included and doing the same thing at dinner time would cost 25 to 45 euros per person. And so, yeah, eating out for lunch and then eating in for dinner or doing the Spanish way and having a big lunch and then a light dinner can... Yeah, I can really, save a lot of money. Really do a lot. Um, one of the things I've been keeping an eye on lately is uh, looking at discount codes and things like that for promotions that are coming up. So, if you're planning out your year, planning out 2013, and you know you want to go to, I don't know, say you want to go to Morocco in May, mm-hmm. then check out what airlines are flying there, check out what uh, tour companies or things like that you'd like to be using, and then go and sign up for their email newsletters or RSS feeds off of their websites, because then you'll see if they have any specials on. Mm -hmm. And if you can save 10% on a flight that was going to cost you $1,000, then, you know, 100 bucks in Morocco can last you quite a lot of extra time. Yeah, another thing to do is to be flexible. Don't just think, okay, I'm going to um, I'm going to Casablanca in Morocco, and so I need a flight from London to Casablanca, because maybe it would be cheaper to fly into Fez or to fly somewhere else and then travel overland or to do your journey in reverse. For example, we're going to the Canaries soon, and uh, well, I would have liked to have flown from Jerez to Fuerteventura, and that just wasn't an option. So I was looking at all the airports around the area, and turns out what we're going to do is fly from Seville, which is a, a one-hour train trip from here to uh, Lanzarote, and then take a ferry across to Fuerteventura. From there, we're flying from Fuerteventura to Italy. So, you know, you just have to be prepared to change your destination a little bit, look into transport option on either side, and and maybe you can save a lot of money just by flying into a nearby airport instead of your preferred one. Yeah, and sometimes shifting uh, your trip just a day or two in, yeah, exactly. in either direction, uh, you can do the same thing, save hundreds of dollars just by shifting a day yeah um if you go to indietravelpodcast.com slash flights um there's a link through to skyscanner there and uh or you can go to skyscanner.net i think it is directly and uh they have a a great search engine because you can look at an entire month and go okay i want to go in may i know i can get time off when's the cheapest flights in may and sometimes you look at it it's like and and you just look along and go, why? Why? From from Monday to Friday, the price difference is like 100 bucks or more. And so, yeah, use that to your advantage. Use that flexibility and uh, you'll be able to travel more and travel well in 2013. Very nice. Very nicely done. Well, before we finish off, we'd like to thank our sponsor again. Uh, Intrepid Travel is our new sponsor for the Indie Travel Podcast over the next few weeks. And uh, we invite you to go and take a look at their website, of course, at intrepidtravel.com. Yeah, one thing we really enjoyed about Intrepid was their focus on the local. They've got local guides. They use local accommodation, not the big, you know, faceless hotels that we were talking about earlier. They use unique hotels and hostels and guest houses and uh, visit local restaurants. 
So it not only provides a better experience for travellers, but also allows Intrepid to, to give back and support local communities, which yeah, is very important. Obviously. I think that's something we've talked about in the past, eh? spending your money with local businesses so mm-hmm. that it stays there and doesn't disappear offshore uh, at the, you know, the end of every month. Uh, it's neat that big multinationals can employ thousands of people, but it's even better if a, a small family-owned or locally-owned business can uh, can grow and, and flourish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's great for indie travellers, especially if you're just starting out as an indie traveller, because you've got the freedom and flexibility, but with the safety net of the local guide who knows what they're doing, even <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> yeah, and it takes a lot of pressure off your uh, your planning as well. We found when uh, we went from Buenos Aires up to Rio, um, it was brilliant not having to so look relaxing. at not having to look at timetables and go and buy bus tickets a day in advance. Someone else was doing that for us, so we could really make a lot more of our time. Mm-hmm. I guess that just about wraps things up. We'll be uh, finishing recovering from my flu this week. Uh, and I get to get my teeth taken out. Oh yeah, Linda's <laughs> off to the dentist. Uh, we're also going to go to uh, another one of the bodegas here in Jerez. Uh, a friend of ours is coming, Alba. And uh, we'll be going to see some of the other kind of tourist attractions here that we haven't seen, like the uh, the fortress uh-huh. and the Alcazar. Uh, the Alcazar, maybe the cathedral. And, yeah, it should be good. It yeah, should it be should be good. good. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.